Welcome to Elevate. I'm so happy you're here with me today and I cannot wait to share this episode with you. As an evidence-based coach, mentor, and entrepreneur, I'm obsessed with learning and personal development as it's transformed my entire life, as well as those I get to work with. And to be quite frank, it's literally the entire reason this podcast exists, to feel your growth, gain perspective, and acquire knowledge. So buckle up, friends. You're in for a treat. And as always, thank you for supporting me and the show so we can continue to elevate our own lives as well as those you share this with. Now, let's get into it. What's going on, friend? And welcome back to another episode of Elevate. Today, I have a special guest, Gavin McHale, who is a personal development coach. And I met Gavin briefly, unfortunately. Um, He was a speaker at one of my mentorship programs, and he did a Friday class. And I really, really liked him. Of course, I'm super into the personal development world. I'm getting my second degree in clinical psychology. So very much into mindset, very much into personal growth. And before I get throwing all of my questions at you, Gavin. Can you take a moment to introduce yourself and tell the listeners a little bit more specifically about what you do? Sure. Yeah. We, I think we're going to be good friends, uh, based on some of the content I've seen and, and just some of the talking that you've done around, uh, I know what, I know the vibe that you bring. Uh, so I'm really excited for this conversation as well. Um, here we are talking about vibes already. Um, yeah, essentially what I do is I was, I was chatting with someone earlier today and trying to figure out, figure it out is I help like high performers. So particularly usually business owners, but high performers, I help them, um, figure out what to do next when the hard work stops working. Mm, because we've I love been there. that. <laughs> okay. Yeah, no. So we're going to dive right into that because one of the things, so I, of course, I try to do some research on people. I binge watched your content a little bit and there's something that you said, um, that I really liked. And the first thing at the top of your question is one that I've asked myself many times, but I still haven't gotten to the root to. And it's, where did you decide that it had to be hard? Oh, right. Somewhere along the way, right. We have this. I even said this to my mother the other day. I was like, I've just set my baseline expectation for the day that it's going to be hard. And that Mm. way, if things happen easily to me, it's like, I can be super grateful. I can immerse myself in that moment of gratitude but if I just expect hard, then I'm never disappointed in the fact that I've put in a lot of work and it indeed was hard. So how do you how do you feel about that? How would you say your reaction would be to somebody who still, while it's nice to hear that maybe you don't have to work as hard to achieve the things that you want, right? That's that's kind of that too good to be true, right? Most skeptics would say that's way too good to be true. So tell me, tell me your your spin on this. Yeah, my spin, the first thing that comes to mind is that it's still going to be hard, but it's going to be a totally different kind of hard than what we've been led to believe. Right. And so, so folks like you and I coming up in the business space, even if we look at like the entrepreneurship space, um, we've always, and, and, and rightfully so we've always been told like, it's going to be really hard and you're going to have to grind. Right. And actually when you're starting, sorry, that's the case. You know, it's going to be really hard. And there are going to be days that just like, you're like, what am I doing? Like, why am I doing this? Right. I'm sure we've both been there. I know, I know I have, right. Like I did so many things, but I feel like I did nothing at the same time. Yeah, it's like you like, checked all these boxes, but like nothing magnificent happened. It's yeah, like, and, when is the magnificent part going to happen? <laughs> yeah. Where, where's the, where's the payday? Where's, where's the day where it all just breaks through. Right. Yeah. 
so so there there's definitely that there is that phase where we have to work hard and we have to just like go and grind and like you said do all that stuff and not really see much coming back and like that's hard but what i see a lot of people is they do that and they actually they get success because doing that consistently over time you get success right then they get to a place though where and this is so I like to think of like hard work is, is like, um, or like working from this place of like fear and scarcity and just grinding it out. It's very, it's very useful short term. It's also exhausting, right? It's like the start of a fire, a bonfire, right? It's like you're using the kindling and you're using the paper and it's burning quick, but you need to put some bigger logs on there to like burn a little slower and keep the fire going. Right. So a lot of people though, will continue using that. And and I like to say like continue building their business or even if it's like a fitness goal or whatever it is, they'll continue building it on a house of cards. Like, okay, I just got to keep doing the same thing, keep doing the same thing. And that has this really hard level of diminishing returns eventually. In fact, for a lot of business owners, it stops. Like it stops working totally. And what I find too, and this is such an interesting conversation because I feel like I'm in that in that space, right? So what I've found is like you need some motivating factor, even if it's fear, even if it's anger. It's like use what you got at the beginning. It's going to be like a rocky series. It's like you got to throw punches. You're going to get hit. Like you got to be able to take that and get back up. As you get more advanced though, it's like that fuel system burns out and the fears that you have change as well. So like at the beginning, I was kind of like, I have nothing to lose. Like, I mean, relatively so, worst case scenario, I move home with my mom, I go back to school, I become a doctor, I make a good living, everything's fine, right? So that was kind of my worst case scenario. Now, as you get more advanced, though, it's like you have the evidence that you are who you say or who you thought you could be, right? So that's not the problem anymore. But the problem is you run from a fear of almost that imposter phase of like, the evidence is there. But I also don't want to be somebody who believes too much, maybe naively, in my own capabilities. And so it's almost like you create your own self-sabotaging loop of like, I don't know that I can do that. And it would be naive of me to believe that I could do that. So then you don't put in the work that is necessary. I'm not going to say hard work, but the work that would be just necessary for you to naturally grow and go down that curve. We see this all the time with people in like health and fitness. They do really well. They're super consistent. They're seeing results. And then they tell themselves, well, I deserve a reward for this, so I'm going to go over here. And then it dominoes into kind of licks by its taste, loose habits. They stop being intentional about what they're doing. They're like almost overestimating their capabilities a little bit. And then they lose sight of like the little things that they did at the beginning that made them super successful. And so like once you have the evidence that you can do it, I feel like that's almost scarier because now it's not it's not the belief that you had at first, the one that said you just couldn't do it and you're not capable it's now like, oh, I can do it. So now it's really on me. And I think that level of responsibility is terrifying to some people. 100%. Every scapegoat you used previously, you recognize isn't real. And you're like, oh, I just, I just like solved that problem and now opened up an entire new world of problems. This is the exact conversation I was hoping we'd get to have. It's just like a conversation <laughs> so where like you push me as well. You know, what I thought of there when you were talking about the fitness example is like, there's like one point where that person goes like, let's say it's a guy, they go like, oh, I can't get that jacked. 
You know, like, like I can get to this level, but like, I can't get to that level. Right. And, or the woman is like, I can't get like that toned. Right. And it's like, why? Right. Like, like this. So there's, so that's like the next level of belief that we don't, that we don't quite have. And, And I think that's, that's where this like different type of hard work comes in. Right. Because like at that point, whether it's in fitness or whether it's in business, we have now proven to ourselves and to everyone else that we can work hard. In fact, a lot of times with high performers, like hard work isn't really a problem. Like a it's lot of comfortable. Yeah. It's like we're normal, good at it. Yeah. For me, <laughs> it's it's so interesting that you say that because Jordan Zai is one of my best friends and he's, he had a conversation with me the other day and we were talking about work and he's like, the difference between you and most people is that work for you, hard work for you is comfortable. He's like, if I told you to calm down on work and like go on dates more, because I definitely need to do that, like it would be terrifying to me. It would be like, that's hard. That's my hard. And so it's interesting to me that when you talk about high performers, it's they have the willingness to suffer. And one thing that I've had to really kind of check my rear view mirror on is just because I'm willing to suffer doesn't mean that I have to. And so it's this weird, and I don't know if this is what you're getting at as far as hard work and it changing. It's really the idea of patience for me. And that's knowing that every step you take is calculated and you trust the step that you're taking because you've done it before. So you have evidence that it works. And instead of trying to rush and like try to do all these extra things that you feel like you have to do because maybe you see other people doing it or you get caught up in the comparison thing, it's like patience being what you do in the meantime of that. Like you don't need to add other things. You don't need to do more things. You need to know that we've built after. Because I also think the introductory phase of, again, we can talk about this in the business arena or we can talk about this in the fitness arena. You can even talk about this in the relationship arena. It's like you're trying to figure out what works. You're doing a lot of different things. And because you're so naive to exposure to this thing, it's like you don't have any skill sets there. And so, of course, you're going to like spend a lot of energy trying to figure out which skill sets and which systems work best for you. And then once you get them down, it's really not that complicated unless you want to add more complexity to the goal, which indeed makes it more stressful and then people tend to quit, right? It's really just knowing it is really sticking to the simple things and using a different means of of momentum to make progress. And I think that's been this weird limbo for me this year specifically because it's like I'm used to running on that. I'm never good enough, never will be good enough, like good for now, not good forever. Like you're only, you know, of use due to the things that you do and not who you are. So it's like slowing down and trying to unravel all of that and like let it go. That's been kind of the difficult part for me. And I don't know if you've worked with people who are kind of in that weird, I'm not on the next level. I've surpassed the previous version of me. And so you're in this weird limbo space of your own growth where it's like you're not, you haven't maximized that developmental process yet. And so you haven't integrated into that next level version of you yet. There's still more for you to acquire, maybe skill sets or knowledge or just different daily practices, but you've outgrown the past version of you. Like those systems, those tactics, that kind of sporadic, anxious energy, like isn't the fuel that you're running on now. Yeah. It's funny that we're, it feels like we're both in a similar phase right now. And what I've been recognizing there's a few things I have to say here, but what I've been recognizing on that note is that like, there almost needs to be like a death that happens of the old version. Like there's these little, these little tentacles of the old version that are like hanging on, right? You're trying to move to the next level. And then there's these like little bits, these little pieces of the former you 
of the, the, the safer, more comfortable you that, that, that did all this stuff to get to here that are hanging on. And they almost need to like, it, it's almost this like really sad thing where like they need to die. Like they need to be killed. Right. And that's scary. Um, but the big thing that you talk about there around patience, I, I love the word patience. Actually, I hate the word patience, Me but too. like, I, lo <laughs> I love like the importance of patience. Right. But like patience is really like at its base is faith. It, 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 right. Is like choosing other things to do. Hormozy talks about that a lot, right? Like what to do in the meantime, but also like having faith that I'm taken care of, you know, whatever it is I believe in the universe. I like to call it the universe. Cause that's just kind of fits for everybody. Uh, the universe is taking care of me. The universe is conspiring to help me and it's all going to happen exactly as it should. Like that takes a heavy amount of faith. Um, and that it sounds like for you and for a lot of people, like that's the hardest part. Like it's really hard to let go of control. So I want to talk about that specifically because I think while one thing that I notice in kind of the mindset space or the personal development space is people say a lot of really good shit, but it stops at the really good shit because there's no like tactical, okay, like we need to do this. This is how you do it. Right. So like killing off the parts of yourself that are not propelling you forward, like totally on board with that. The fear that I would have, and I know many people who are listening to this will push back on is like, how do you decide and trust that you're making the right decision, that you are removing the parts of yourself that are indeed hindering your forward progress? Right. Cause that's the scary part. It's like, you don't want to lose the part of you that is the thing that moves you forward. Right. And you don't necessarily have clarity on exactly which part of you that is because you're so complicated and complex and you get kind of forward progress from different things. Like sometimes you just fuck around and try something and it totally works and you're like, oh, OK, that idea was great. Excellent. <laughs> right. So you don't always have the intuition that says 100 percent. This is this is that. And this is the part of you that's kind of pulling you back. Right. That core belief, that narrative, that story. The thing that you don't even know that you believe that controls your behavior that you're not even aware of, right? So yeah. how would you say people can cultivate trust in discernment around which parts they need to let go of? Yeah, there. further to your point there too is we don't even understand it because we're so in it, right? We're like in the eye of the hurricane, right? So it's like not only are we we're not seeing it from the outside. We are in it, but also like we have all these emotional ties to it and all these connections to it that are really keeping us hanging on. Two things come up for me when you ask about this is the first one is we need to become more objective observers of our own life, right? Like the more, like if I came in and I like, like, followed you around for an entire day, listened to you talk, even if like I read your journal for the day of like what was going through your head, I would probably pretty quickly be able to tell you what was going on and what wasn't working, right? Because I'm totally objective, right? Like I have no skin in the game in terms of like making money or anything like that. It's just like, I'm just here to just help out. Right. So I'm a totally objective observer. This is why coaches are such, such a great, so such a great investment because they're objective. 
they care about your success, but they're not like totally tied to it that in a way that would change their behavior. They're just objective. And the best ones are really objective, even to the point where you kind of want to punch them in the face, which is okay. Right? So how do we become more objective? Well, one of the ways, and it's interesting that this is actually like in line with like being super subjective is like listening to yourself as to how does it feel? Like, how does this thing feel when I'm actually in it? So Abraham Hicks talks about this when it comes to like uh, our emotions and when it comes to in being in the quantum realm is like our emotions and what we feel is the best indicator of our alignment if, if we are in alignment. Like, and also it's a really good GPS system for where we want to go. So like our, the way we feel is going to tell us if we're on the right path or if we're not on the right path. And, you know, one of the issues there is people like you and me have been told our entire lives, don't feel, just do, right? Like, and if you do feel, you block that shit out and you, you bury it. Don't tell anybody, right? So what happened to me was I couldn't even, I couldn't even articulate my own emotions in my own head. I literally had no idea what I was feeling. I had no clue. And that led to like, there's no, you then don't have a compass. You don't have like in the moment, you don't have a compass. So what I encourage people is to become more emotionally intelligent or emotionally aware. Are you aware of what you're currently feeling? And in that, if you can become aware of what you're currently feeling, you can ask yourself because our emotions are our best indicator of are we on the path, our best GPS navigator, you can ask yourself, what is this trying to teach me? And this is something that I've come up with for like business owners and high performers. It's just like, what am I feeling? What does that feel like so that I can recognize it next time? Because most of us are physical, like we feel it in our body somewhere, butterflies in the stomach, tension in the hips, whatever it is. And what is this trying to teach me? Because it's trying to teach you something. Right. So for you, as you're talking about this, right, these moments where you become frustrated, these places where you're like judging yourself, that's your opportunity to get curious and start asking questions because that's where the sticky part is. That's where the, that's where the block is. So it's interesting to me because, so I agree with what you're saying a hundred percent, but the one thing that I find, um, and one thing that we're taught too is that when you're working with somebody who's struggling with taking action due to their behavior being impacted as a function or byproduct of a core belief, is that the automatic thoughts that they have typically aren't true, right? So like if somebody, if I'm on a sales call and they say no to me, I could have an automatic thought that I'm not worthy and I suck at my job and nobody's ever going to want to work with me. And why did I think like, and so while I could I could test that emotion and be like, I'm feeling anxious and I'm feeling sad and I'm feeling frustrated. And I could tell myself, what is that trying to teach me? But if I were to take the lesson of my own automatic thought, what, it, what I would learn is that I'm not good enough and no one's going to buy from me and my business is going to fail. So I think while I agree to the investigation and curiosity of the emotion, one of the things that I do a similar process, but one thing I ask myself is like, what am I feeling? What thought am I having? What story am I telling myself around the experience that I went through? Is it true? And even if it is true, is it useful? And so if I can work through that funnel of my own kind of mind map relative to whatever activating event I had, 
that gives me insight as to like, even if I feel frustrated, even if I feel like a fucking loser, like we all have those moments where like, I suck, the world is ending. Like, is that even useful for me to feel or think right now? And so if it's not doing anything that allows me to progress, I usually don't entertain it, but I'll come back to it later once I've taken action on something. Because what I find is that no, no amount of anxiety is going to change what happens next, only actions will. And so usually when I feel that way, I can ask myself, what now? Like, what do I need to do in this moment to resolve any issue that I'm facing that I may have control over? So if I can't do anything about it, then I tend to dissociate from it and let it go. And, let, you know, you can ask yourself, why do I put pressure on myself to be able to control things that are outside of my control? And what are my expectations of myself to be able to perform as a human being with the limitations that I have? Right. And so you can start to see that you have this unrealistic pressure that you put on yourself as far as forms of operation and what you're supposed to be able to navigate and handle. But as far as like leaning on that intuition. Again, I think intuition is the one thing that's right more often than it's wrong. But when it comes to emotions, I would say they're somewhat different because I think emotions can be misleading. Um, and yeah. so I'm curious on, obviously I know that I push back a little bit on some of those things, but I'm curious to hear what your thoughts are too. Yeah. I mean, this is taking me a layer deeper into, into the work that I do with people. And so I will just say, thank you. I'd like a recording of this, please. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> so I think we're both dancing around the same big picture item, which is we need to turn self-judgment into curiosity. That's the big picture item is because I was saying this on a, on a podcast just last week. Um, the only different judgment and curiosity are like super parallel in terms of, in terms of how close they are to each other. And the only difference is a question mark right? is like, instead of me saying that I'm a biggest piece of shit, I'm asking why I think I'm the biggest piece of shit, right? Which again, curiosity allows me to get more objective about the thing. So, so I will 100% agree there. And, and I will also 100% agree with everything you said there, because that is the layer deeper than what I just said. And to, to really twist around there, around the example you gave where, you know, the, I got a no on a sales call. That was the example, right? I'm trying to remember is, well, I'm now judging myself about an outcome that I don't have control over. And you did touch on that later. Right. So like, that's the real, like, pull that out. Right. Is like, okay. Like my initial emotions are this and I am, you know, I am kind of like using these like initial emotions that probably aren't true, but that's because I'm talking about an outcome. And one of the things that I was taught early, let's use the sales example as we go, because it's a really good example for a lot of things in terms of taking responsibility. We all want certain outcomes. We want to make the sale. We want to lose the weight. We want to make the amount of money. We want to get the job, whatever it is. The, the thing that we set the goal for 99.9% .9 of the time is completely outside of our control, right? So if you're sitting there because you just didn't just make a sale, like they said no on the sales call and you're angry, what are you really angry about? <laughs> That's such a good point. Right? So, and so here's what this great piece of advice that I was given was, did you do everything you could to give yourself the best chance to succeed on that sales call? 
Mm-hmm. And what you're probably actually angry about is that you dicked around until one minute before the call and then you got on the call, you weren't prepared and they bulldozed you. And you're actually pissed off at yourself for not showing up the way you needed to show up. And this is the exact same with fitness and health, right? There was something that you know you could have done, like you could have gone out on that walk, but you're like, oh, well, it's kind of raining, so I don't really want to. Believe me, I've been there. I'm trying to walk more and I, it's snowy now where I am. And it's like, <laughs> oh, I can't go. There's a bit of ice on the ground, right? So like, you know, this whole, um, whenever you point a finger out, recognize there's going to be mm-hmm. three pointing back at you, right? It's like what you're probably really angry about is something within yourself or some part where you didn't take responsibility to do the actions that are going to give you the best chance to get the outcome because the outcomes outside of your control. Anyway, all pretty much all outcomes are, does that make sense? Oh my gosh. And so one thing that I think is really important that you said, and I've, I've said this before too, but it's, it's whatever you're upset at is what you're giving power to. Right. And so it's like, if something doesn't give you the result and you say, Hey, it's that, that thing's fault, that person's fault, this experience, whatever, the fault of something outside of yourself, what you're saying is, you will never make it past that if this thing is in your life. And the things that we don't like are typically always going to be in our lives. It's like you can blame government. You can blame your neighbor. You can blame your school system. You can blame your boyfriend. You can blame your parents. You can blame whoever you want to. But I've blamed all of those things yeah, many times. Yeah, but that times. doesn't do anything for you. That's what I mean. Is it useful? Like, it's not I useful. Could, I can yeah. acknowledge that you have a shit boss, somebody that doesn't pay attention. Maybe they overwork you and they underpay you. But like, what are you going to do about that? Mm-hmm. And until you go, what can I do in this situation to make it better? Then you're going to continue to feel defeated and resentful. And I think that's where people get into a space where they don't have a vision. And I think people without a vision are the most dangerous people to themselves in society. Yeah. And and as soon as we remove the responsibility from ourselves, we step into what would be considered the lowest vibrational emotion feeling that we can have, which is a victim mindset or powerlessness. Well, that's just the way it is. If that's what you think you're done, like there's, there's, there's literally no hope for you unless you can change your mindset and take responsibility. And, and what you're talking about this, like, is it useful is inherently how can I take responsibility for this? right? So the sales call didn't go my way. Well, instead of being angry about the outcome, why don't I look at the process? So let's review the call. Let's um, look at my prep for the call. Let's look at my marketing, right? And when we really look at that, we can maybe find out, well, maybe this wasn't a qualified lead uh, or maybe you know, maybe I didn't dig hard enough. Maybe there was a spot, a leverage point that I could have used and I just didn't, I kind of brushed it over. Right. We've all been there. Right. When it comes to the the weight loss goal in 90 days, right. Well, maybe I could have, you know, cut up veggies on Sundays and I just didn't do it. Right. And this is like, that's the stuff that I I'm sure for you as well. That's the stuff that like, it pisses me off enough that that's when I'm going to change my behavior. Right. Yeah. Because it's like, ah, that was me. Well, and that's the thing is too, insanity. what you recognize when you start taking accountability and responsibility for yourself is you're the one that's been making it hard for you the whole time. It's like, that's, that's the biggest joke of life itself. It's like, we're raised and taught that it's not your fault and you're special the way that you are and everybody wins. And then you realize when you get kicked out into life, nobody wins. 
Nobody wins. And the only way that you're going to get better is if you get out of your own way. And that brings me to the next thing that you mentioned in one of your posts was that insecurity just equals inexperience. Oh. So talk to me about that. Yeah. Well, and this comes back to a lot of the ways that we can change our subconscious brain. The very foundation of changing your subconscious brain, like, right, we've talked about figuring out what are the stories or what are the beliefs that are that are subconscious, right? We, we just discussed that and, and how difficult it can be to find those, right? But when we do reframe, when we do like, you know, decide to think and believe something different, our subconscious brain is, it's very simple what it needs to change. Evidence. It just needs evidence. And so inexperience, when I'm talking about insecurity being inexperience, is you literally just don't have enough evidence yet that you are who you say you are, right? And so we need to find every little shred of evidence we possibly can to delude ourselves and brainwash ourselves into believing, right? There's this, the, the great quote of, I grew up with the quote, I'll believe it when I see it everywhere. Parents always said that, oh yeah, I'll believe it when I see it, right? The truth is like, it's actually, I'll see it once I believe it. Like we, and, and we as entrepreneurs, we as high performers, anybody who's trying to do something that they've never been able to accomplish before has to be delusional in some way. You have to be like, there's no other way to get there unless you brainwash yourself. Like, and we're brainwashing ourselves one way or the other. So we may as well brainwash ourselves, as you said, in a way that's useful to us and serves us and serves our highest purpose. So that's where insecurity, again, it's not useful. So let's go, okay, well, I just don't have enough experience and I just need more evidence. Yeah. And one thing I always say is that in order to rewire a belief, you have to give yourself evidence that there's an alternative truth for you. And so it's like giving yourself, having the courage to pursue the thing, not expecting anything from the outcome. I think this is where people kind of mess it up. It's like, okay, I'll do the thing, but I expect that I'm going to lose 20 pounds. It's like, okay, well, let's turn the expectation inward and go, I expect myself to follow through consistently on this goal. Right. And it's like, if your standards are then driven by your own performance, right, the outcome is inevitable. But when you only focus on the outcome and not fo focused on, you could call it the process, you can call it your own kind of standards, you can call it self-respect, you can call it investment, you can call it whatever you want to. But if you don't focus on the things that you actually have to do to be successful in the thing, it doesn't matter how bad you want it, right? It doesn't matter how many times you, you meditate on it and you manifest it and you sit there and you visualize Nothing comes without the work. And so I think that's where I love the woo-woo-ness. I love woo-woo stuff. But the one frustration that I have is it's gotten to, again, that extreme woo-woo of like, you don't do anything. You just sit on your yoga mat and you light the candles and you do the, the little stuff and you have all of the aromas there and you just picture it and it will happen. It's well, like, all those people are poor though. So <laughs> <laughs> like if we looked at their bank account, like they're not doing very well, right? Like they're, they may be happy and like they're super chill, but they're probably not doing very well. right? Yeah. And so how do you bridge the gap between intention and action when the friction is higher than the expectation? So one thing that I've studied um, in psychology is like where you should find your motivations from. 
right? And the two worst places to find your motivations from that we can see is desires and emotions, right? Because when it comes to desires specifically, we have a pre-calculated measure of effort and time that will be required for us to do it. And so if the resistance becomes too high, we quit. Or as soon as we get the thing, we realize it didn't really mean that much to us. We just wanted a short-term dopamine hit and then we stopped doing it in the first place, right? So either way, it's kind of a lose-lose to operate that way. So when you talk about getting people to, one, rewire or reframe their, their psyche, so getting their kind of internal dialogue to change, then there's this active getting up and actually doing the thing and not just doing it a little bit, like overcoming the level of resistance of effort, even if it exceeds your pre-estimated level of investment towards the process. So what would you say as far as tips or tricks or tactical things that would get people to bridge the gap between intention, action, and follow through? See, I, lo I love this conversation because this is the part this is the part where I think like this conversation and this type of coaching is what's going to bring the woo woo or the, like the spiritual stuff to actually like work for people mm -hmm. to work for people who go, no, a lot of this is bullshit, but can we use the stuff that you and I both know is real and works and pull it into actionable stuff for you know, the, the, the athletes and the millionaires and the business owners who are like, come on, are you serious? Right? Like that's this stuff. So, um, to your point, there's this great, there's this great thing I heard where it's like everyone who starts a race, like if you're doing a running race, everyone on the starting line has the same goal. They all want to win the race. One person wins the race. Right. And generally that race was not one on the track, of course, they had to go on the track and they had to run the race, but it was one in the weeks, months, years previous to it, right? Especially if you look at the Olympics, it was one in the four years previous to it. And then they stepped on the track and they delivered because they believed in themselves, right? So winners and losers have the same goals. It is the actions that you take. And this is one of the things that early to rise where I do a lot of my work, where I think we've cracked the code on goal setting and what I say every time we set a 90 day, we start to do the 90 day quarterly planning is your outcome goal is just there to set the intensity of the action steps, right? So if, if, if we take a fitness example, if I want to lose 10 pounds this quarter, my action steps are going to be very different than if I want to lose a hundred pounds this quarter. And if you're trying to take the same action steps on those two goals, you're, you're not going to do very well. <laughs> especially if you want to lose the hundred pounds or you're going to be exhausted before you lose the 10 pounds. So your outcome goal is just there to set the intensity of the action steps. And then literally it's like, put one foot in front of the other, follow the yellow brick road and take the actions. Cause if you set a goal and then you decide on action steps, that means you have decided you have decided objectively that those action steps are going to give you the best chance to hit that goal. So if you don't do them, if you just fuck off and don't do the action steps, then the only thing we know is that you need to give the action steps a chance. Yeah. <laughs> but if you do them and it doesn't work, then you can know that you need to up the intensity or you need to do something different. Right. And so like, taking any action 
anywhere near the direction of the thing you want will give you enough feedback to change course and continue moving towards that thing. Does that make okay. sense? <laughs> no, I love it. And so I'm going to break this down into an equation because I actually broke this down and I was like, okay, well, what if I was going to put together a formula for success? What would that look like? This is Kate's weekend right here. This is what... <laughs> so I would say it's intensity times time times consistency and adherence, right? Because you can be consistently inconsistent or you can be consistent 60% of the time. But if your adherence score isn't close to 100 because you're inconsistent, then it doesn't amount to any measurable levels of success, Right. And then as far as time, I mentioned that earlier, but that's always going to be a piece of it. So you said by the next quarter, right? So there's a time constraint around that. And then the intensity variable is going to also be relative to adherence and consistency, right? Because you can push the throttle of intensity if you have maximized consistency and adherence, but it doesn't matter how far you push the intensity metric if consistency and adherence are out of whack. And so it's like there's there's obviously more important variables, but I would say if you wanted to be successful, that's how I'd break it down. I'm curious if you have anything you would add to that. Well, I want to add one thing because one of the I've often had these conversations with my clients where we'll set a 90 day goal, right? Let's we're in the middle of Q4 right now, let's say, right? You set a 90 day goal that by the end of this 90 days, I want to do this thing. Great. At the very deepest level, that is a completely arbitrary goal on a completely arbitrary timeline. Like who decided it was going to be 90 days? I don't understand what could be 100 days, could be 73 days, could be three days. Like who cares? It's arbitrary. So what I, the time is important, but I've often said to people, like let's say, let's say they set a money goal and they hit every single action step that they wanted to hit. They reevaluated both both times after 30 days and 60 days, they made some tweaks and their goal was to make $100,000 and they made 99,000, right? Well, all they needed was a little more runway. They needed like six more days to have a couple more sales calls, right? So this time thing is interesting because it is arbitrary and what we really need to look at is, well, was I doing the things that I thought would give me the best chance at success. And if that's the case, then, well, did I really, did I really um, like lose or did, do I just need a little bit more time? So, so it kind of, to that point, right? If you're doing the other three things, then you can just go, Oh, I just need a little bit more time. Or, you know, you hit the time, you hit the consistency, you hit the adherence. Oh, I just needed to up the intensity a little bit. Okay. Well, I can do that right now. Every time that we nail, if we nail as many of these as we can, then we can go back and go, oh, there's the feedback that I needed. And I'll just make that change. And then I can go again. And So like, I think, yeah. And I like time because I think it's all down to perspective. So exactly. the reason that I think you have to have time is some people will do the right thing at the right time, at the right consistency with the right amount of effort and their intensities there. And they, if they would have just stayed patient, they would have got there. If yeah. they would have said, I don't have to do this at this time horizon, this arbitrary thing, they could have, they could have maximized that. And to the same degree, if, if you, if you don't give yourself enough time, you can never succeed. And if you put restrictions around the time required for you to make it happen, you also will likely quit before you get there. And so either way, I think time 
for most people, even when you see people be super successful, talk about Alex Hormozy because you mentioned him earlier. It's like when he was doing gym launch, he like built a business, lost a business, built a business, lost a business. Like he ate shit for a really long time, but nobody sees you until you're six, seven, eight, nine, ten. And so it's like you have to also know that the first five years you may get no validation for what you do. You, you may get no recognition for what you do because that's where you're kind of in the box of trying to figure out what is my what is my brand? What is my voice? What do I stand for? What am I fighting for? What is my vision? What is the mission? And who are the right people to get me there? Right. And so it's like that takes a lot of time and investments and skill and patience and mental fortitude. But that's what I mean, that weird space where once you kind of get there and you know what the system is and you know what the vision is and you know you have the people there and you kind of know what your strengths are and you know what your weaknesses are and you know you need to double down on certain things. It's like then that friction of I'm not doing as much as I used to do because I used to sporadically be doing lots of things. We're going back to the initial point of the conversation, right? And then it's like, but you're doing the right things, but it still feels weird because you have that belief again, very back to the beginning. When did you decide that it had to be hard? And so for people that are in the same rut, what is the what is the final note that I can leave them on as far as pieces of advice to learn to let go and understand that just because it has been hard doesn't mean that it will always have to be hard. Well, I just looked at the time, as you said, the last piece of advice. And I'm like, I've just been vibing for 40 I minutes. Know. Okay. I love it. So this... I don't know how much this actually lands t towards your question, but I think it needs to be said because I think it's a, I think we have, I think we have a belief problem in our society and I've got believe right over my shoulder as a reminder to me and as a reminder to all my clients, just how awesome Ted Lasso is, but also this actual important concept. And I think what I would say to people is like, when did you decide it needed to be hard? But also like, when did you decide that, like to stop believing in yourself. Like there's a lot of things that are going to stop us and that could stop us and that may stop us from getting what we want, but don't let it be a lack of self-belief because you're just like, you just like let that happen. Like you already have everything inside of you. Every single person listening to this, you have everything inside of you that you need to get the results that you want. Like, I'm not going to get like spiritual on you, but like, do you know the odds of being born as a human being? They are ridiculous. There's such long odds. So how could you not have everything you need inside of you already to get, have success that you want? So like the belief is often just kind of covered up by, I like to think of it as like a thick layer of dust that is like guilt and shame and all these negative emotions. And if we can just start to remove those, right, systematically based on what Kate and I just talked about, systematically remove these blocks, then this self-belief, we allow this self-belief to come to the surface. And someone who has the tools physically and whatever, and also believes in themselves is a dangerous person. And I think that's the only difference between where people are and where they want to be is their level of belief in themselves. I love that. Thank you so much, Gavin. I appreciate your time. And I'll plug all of Gavin's stuff below so that you guys can find him and follow him. I think you'll absolutely love it. I look forward to having you back again because we'll have to do this. Yeah. Gavin, thank you so much. Thank you, Kate.